Tommy. One, two, three. Go, Tommy! Grief can't be all negative and sad. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode two, entitled Sexy Widows. I know that sounds super weird. A little background on why we called it that. Um, Me and my husband have an inside joke that whenever we watch a TV show on, you know, Lifetime or Hallmark or something like that, they always have a widow or widower as the main character who is an insanely attractive uh, person who goes to a small town and does some very down-to-earth job, you know, like opens up a coffee shop or a inn, a bed and breakfast or something. And so we had this idea. um, We always talk about the sexy widow on TV and movies. And so that's a little bit of background. Um, I don't ever mean to make light of loss, but I feel like you have to have a sense of humor in order to survive. So in this episode, I interviewed my husband, Adam, and we talked about not only what it's like to date seriously whenever you are a widow, but from the other person's perspective, what is it like to date a widow? How do you handle certain situations? What are the challenges that you might face dating someone who has experienced a traumatic loss? So without further ado, here's the interview. Mr. Vani, hello, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. A little nervous. (laughs) Of course. We are going to talk about dating and uh, what it's like to date a widow and a little bit about your experience and my experience in um, dating someone seriously after a loss and, you know, just all that good stuff. So uh, are you ready to get started? As ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> so fire away. Okay, let's start with how we met. Well, we met at a baseball game, which was my company had a had an outing at a Padres game, and you came as a guest for somebody. And I, first time I saw you, you were there was this June bug that somebody was going to smash, and you you came up and like don't smash a June bug, and you grabbed it and you let it fly away. You didn't see me at that time, but I saw you. Later on after the game, when the the whole company went out to a local pub, that's when we first met. And it was instant attraction. And I remember you you coming up and introducing yourself. I was just kind of awestruck. And we spent the next five, six hours just talking and going through everything. Um, I did learn that night, even though you didn't want to tell me at first, a little bit about your past, about losing a husband and losing a child. And if I recall, you were kind of just getting out of, out of, date, out of dating somebody at the same time. I was a hot commodity. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And also extremely modest and humble. <laughs> yes, I can see that. Sorry, continue. 
How do you follow that? Let's pause. <laughs> oh, you actually do want me to continue? Yeah, yeah keep going. I, I think we were actually, I thought we were kind of quitting here. No, um, it's great stuff. You know, the night was ending and because of, I think you're, you're just ending another relationship. We refused to, to kiss or anything that night, but I texted you as soon as I got home just to let you know how excited I was to meet you and couldn't wait to see you again. And I think I saw you the next day and every day thereafter for, just the, about. for the next nine months to a year, I felt something I just hadn't felt ever. And for me, it was just sort of instant. I know this is the person you are smart, educated, funny, extremely good looking. It was <laughs> keep a, going. <laughs> it, it was it was easy, um, and you know I know we're here talking about what it was to be a widow, but for me actually at the when I did find out, first I didn't know what to say, which you probably get a lot when somebody's like, oh yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I lost my husband to cancer, and eight months later I lost my daughter. Most people just sort of stop the conversation uh, because how do you respond to that? And I had the same, the same piece. Um, but as far as it being of something to date somebody that actually at the time didn't hit me at all, as far as that being any, I didn't really know what this, that was, was going to be, but it wasn't a burden or a struggle at, in my head. It was just like, okay, well, that really sucks. That's, that's a pretty terrible situation. I think at the time I remember you telling me you win. <laughs> yeah, I mean you can't. Nobody's gonna. Nobody's gonna one up that in, in any way. Um, but I was still just overly excited to to have met you. Um, and then as things kind of went along, you know, of course there was. You think more and more about well, what would this? What would this be like? Is how is she feeling? Is she going to be able to love me the way that I want to be loved and all those other things? Uh, but at the time, it didn't cross my brain at all. I'll kind of interject a little bit too on, I mean, what do you say? Whenever you start dating after your loss, it's something that comes up really quickly because usually, I mean, especially in this day and age with uh, COVID, you date online, you know, so your all your kind of first conversations aren't face to face and ours was, but, um, you know, how do you bring that up? And I get that question a lot. Like, how do you even bring that up in a circumstance where you don't want to scare someone off? And I think the best thing is to just be super open about it and just be like, yeah, this happened. This is part of my life. And if it's someone who's worth sticking around, they're going to react, you know, they might be taken aback a little bit, There's, but you want their reaction to be something that's like, wow, that's part of you and I'm, I'm, I'm here to embrace it or I'm here to learn. Um, you know, if they don't know how to react, just maybe, you know, feeling that feeling that they want to learn more about you and about your life and who you are and what makes you who you are. So my best piece of advice to be open. 
That's, I, I would agree with that. And I had been on one or two dates and <laughs> in, in, in before meeting you. And the one thing you're looking for is a connection and you want to feel that the person is also vested in you. And you're trying to find out where this person's life is and why are they here today? And everybody has a story, especially after you've gone through stuff, but people want to know. And I wanted to know also is how did you get to where you are today and who are you and what, what, what were those, what were those things that you encountered? And when you share something like that, you instantly feel closer because you've shared a deep part of yourself and given, given that person a window into who and what you've been through. Right. And I think, you know, you want to start off, if, especially if you feel like this relationship is something that you want to pursue, you want to make sure that you lay it out on the table, like lay it all out there. Because if this is someone you want to potentially spend a long period of time with, you don't want to hide the most important parts of you, even though like the most important important parts might be messy. They might not be sunshine rainbows, but everyone has a story. Like you were saying, Adam has experienced his own loss through his divorce and experienced loss in that way. And I would want, I wanted to hear about it as much as he was willing to share with me because that made him who he is today. And that made him the man that I love. So I want to hear everything, just like if someone wants to invest in you, they're going to want to hear about it. So <laughs> Adam, what were your biggest fears in, after you, you know, sat down and thought about it, <laughs> what are your biggest fears about dating a widow? Um, I think my first biggest fear just had to do with maybe intimacy mm. and, um, and kind of feeling equally loved. So maybe this is TMI, but I, I was always worried about like, would she be able to love me and make love to me? Or would she sort of freak out because I'm somebody different? And if you've had an ex or something, there's usually like, hey, we broke up because we decided we weren't going, we didn't want to be together. And this is who I want to be with now. When you are a widow, you loved that person and you wanted to be together with that person and that love never stops. And that's something that you have to be accepting of and embrace. But as a, in the beginning stages, I was worried, well, okay, well, she has this husband that he's passed, but she still loves. And that love is, is, is always going to be there is it going to be awkward at times? And am I going to feel loved or am I going to feel sometimes like a third wheel? <laughs> a um, third wheel. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's a little. <laughs> like we're having some sort of like polyamorous relationship yeah. with my dead husband. Oh yeah. It's just, you know, me, Rachel and Tommy, but it, <laughs> it's um, usually it's dating somebody who's broken up with people and there's usually a lot of hate or just, that person was not right for me. This is where I am today. And you're who I'm focused on. And when you're with a widow, you have to expect. And you know, as time has gone by, you know, I love all the Tommy stories and I love seeing how much you love him and how great of a guy he was. Because 
I can tell you wholeheartedly, there's room for two, if you will. Right. I feel completely loved all the time. There has never been a moment um, where I have felt unloved or there's been an intimate moment where I've not felt total love. It has been perfect. And looking back on it, I actually would say it's almost better because while you had these horrible, horrible losses, all of your thoughts and all of your emotions with those are tied to love when you think about that person. And that is a much better energy to be, to deal with than negativity that you sometimes get. Right. And I think too, and, and kind of what you touched on was love is a, not a finite resource. And I think people have a really difficult time with spouses, um, understanding that you can love multiple people at the same time, especially when one's passed away, it's not like you only have X amount. And so I can't love two people the exact same. And, and the analogy that I, I often give is people with multiple children, do you love only one child? Like if we had a pie, do you, do you love them 50, 50 is one seventy five twenty five? No, you love them both at a hundred percent. You just love them differently and in different ways that love never stops. It can keep expanding. So once your kids have grandkids, your love expands and you love someone else too. And so it's a really hard concept because people feel so betrayed when you're a widow or a widower and you start dating or start getting into a more serious relationship. The people who were maybe family or friends with the person who has passed on feel super betrayed. Like, in a weird way, like, how could you love someone else? How could you love someone else in the same way? And it's, it's because love is not finite. It's not like you have only X amount of love. Like I'm going to be out of love. I better go to the store. Like that's not how it works. You know, I, and that's what, him. that's what took me a minute to, to understand and to realize is that you can absolutely still love Tommy and you can love Charlie and you can love me and you can love our son, Noah. Yeah. I mean, I, I love, there's so much love. <laughs> get your a love. Lot of love. You get a love. You get a love. <laughs> so, you know, I think, I know that that is a big fear of people um, that are dating a widow is this fear that they only have X amount of love to give. And so how can they love someone? If, for instance, like if I miss Tommy, I can tell you that. And there's no insecurity. Like, well, number one, it's not like I can go like see him. <laughs> so, but also it's not, there's not that insecurity there. And I, I do think that that takes time and that takes understanding to get to a point where, you know, if I come to you and I'm just like, you know what, I just really, I miss Tommy today, or I feel really bad about something that happened. We can talk about it and it's not weird. Yeah, absolutely. Did you ever feel jealous of Tommy? And if so, let me know what the situation was. Well, I already know what the situation is, but uh, I'm gonna yeah. let you tell it. <laughs> um, yeah, we had a we had a moment, I guess. You know, really, it was, I I think that was probably the only time that I can think of that I truly felt jealous. That was on your wedding anniversary, and we me and had, Tommy's wedding anniversary, just to specify. Um, Yes. And I think we had recently moved into our 
new house and we were married we got this new house but it was your wedding anniversary and you wanted to watch a video of him and i came home and the house is torn to shreds where you've gone through every box and it, you looked so hard and it and i come to find out it was that you watched the video of your your wedding ceremony and your wedding reception and at the time that really hurt me because to me i felt like a wedding is truly the most intimate moment of your life and that was a time i i got really jealous and i i felt a little i don't even know what the right, right word is but i felt a little hurt and i had a hard time sort of accepting and, and having you watch that intimate video and and the lengths you went to 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 uncover that just to specify I didn't like make you watch the video. That would be very weird. It wasn't like I sat down and watched the video with like you in the room. Just to, correct. Just to I, let I was know. not. I was not there. I was not there in the room to watch it. But just knowing that that's what, what you were what you were watching and how you went through it, that really hurt. And I felt probably for the first time. Yeah, I think that's the only thing. I only time I can really remember that I felt so insecure. Um, and we later talked about it and talked through that that's one of the only videos that you actually have of Tommy. And that's something you do every anniversary to help honor him. It just took me some time to realize the circumstances and what it was. But I was hurt at the time. And I don't apologize for, for feeling hurt at the time because I think we, we are entitled to that. And it's that understanding and communication to say, hey, every once in a while, somebody might feel a little insecure. Um, and you have done a phenomenal job of making me feel more loved. I said that from the start, but that was, that was a moment. Um, not our finest hour, obviously not something we ever were even come close to not getting through, but, um, it was, it was a little weird for me because I'd never been in that situation before. Yeah. And I think too, um, I think there were a lot of circumstances in that particular search situation where, you know, we had like a newborn baby, we weren't sleeping, we were already kind of on edge. And I probably didn't do a good job of communicating why I watched the video and the circumstances about it. But I think too, um, it was a really hard moment for me. I think it was probably the hardest moment for me in our relationship, honestly, because I, you had always been so understanding and um, patient with my grieving process. And so it, for me, it, it completely took me back that it was an issue because to me, it just seemed like a normal, oh yeah, like this is just what I do. And this is, it's just a normal thing that I, I do every year. And so it was really devastating in a way for me to not feel that support. And so I ended up after that, the, I think the next day after we had a, our disagreement, I ended up calling my therapist and I just needed to talk through it and understand from your perspective, because I feel like grief is so, not selfish is the wrong word, self-focusing. 
So whenever you're going through grief, you really feel like it's survival, especially in those first that first year, it's like survival, like you're on survival mode. I'm going to do what's best for me and I need to take care of myself, which is good because that's what you need to do. But as you progress further into your grief, it's hard to remind yourself that other people might have feelings about your grief and understanding that that's okay and dealing with that dynamic. And it's, it's complex. It's extremely complex. And so it took me a couple days of like talking to my therapist one day and really just sitting in and thinking through things for me to get to a place where I'm like, okay, I get it. And it's okay for him to feel this way, you know, and then we talked more about it and we, and we worked through it. But I feel like that's something that people really need to realize once they get into a relationship, make sure you're in a place that you can do that. Because if you're still in that survival, I need to take care of myself area of grief, then maybe you're not ready to jump into a relationship where people are going to have feelings about it and you need to be able to work through that. So just a heads up. (laughs) In that realm of thinking, what could a widow or widower do to help assure their new potential partner about feeling secure? Like what, what could they do? What could they say to help them feel secure in that relationship? I think if I would have known ahead of time what like what you were going to do and how this works and how this is sort of your your process and what you do, I think that would have helped a lot to know in advance of, hey, I on our wedding anniversary, I watch a video of time and I to help remember him and give honor to him. And this is the video that I have. I think if we would have talked through it first and sort of had our our two our two days later discussion before the event occurred, I would have been able to handle it much differently. Okay. So being really open and communicating what I guess their needs are and their process, that would be helpful. Yeah. But as as you just sort of said, that would you would sort of have to have the insight that that might be something that could make somebody uncomfortable. So you sort of have to have that wherewithal to say, Hey, this is, this is something that, that my partner could, could get jealous over and be ready for that. But we got through it. But I think hearing it in advance probably would have helped me understand what your, what your mind process was rather than me just sort of making my own assumption. Yeah. And I think too, it's, it's a careful balance about being open. You know, it's, you want to make sure that you're bringing that person into your life. But at the same time, like, I feel like it's a really scary balance, especially with someone you're just starting to get to know. So for instance, I know we talked about before you appreciated the fact that I talked about my past because it helped you almost like felt like you were being brought into my life, um, really understanding who I was. But I think too, it's really scary because you don't want to scare someone off by telling too much information all at once. So do you have any advice on what a good way to go about that would be? I, I come from the camp of if somebody is 
not okay with either something the way that you live a lifestyle or something that has part of your past, then that person may not be the right person to begin with. So um, just lay it all out there. I that's <laughs> that's just sort of what I feel is is the best method, because at the end of the day, in your situation, if somebody that I if somebody is going to have a hard time with you continuing to honor your late husband, then that person's not meant for you. I, I, I can say while that, while there may have only been one time where I was really jealous, it's something that you people do have to sort of think through and, and sort of process. So it may not just be instantly like, Oh yeah, that's fine. And that's great. I do think that, that it takes time to understand and accept and, you know, getting to hear the, the various stories of Tommy and hearing hearing all the great things he did and how great a dad he was and some of the funny moments you guys had, it, it actually makes for me personally, it helps me feel like if I know, if I knew Tommy and I feel like I know him from just the stories that he would be very happy that there's somebody like me to help make you happy for the rest of your life because no partner I would think would want their, spouse to live the rest of their life alone and so as I've kind of gotten to know him and, and get got I get all the stories I felt like I, I won the jackpot and so in that case it was like I have somebody who this is great she has all these stories of love she has no stories of hate and I now can be a part of the next chapter and it works yeah, and I think you made me cry a little bit. <laughs> um, you know, back to when you were saying that if someone has a problem with your loss or your grief, um, they're not the right person. And I think it's important too to be on alert for people who may be dismissive or feel like they want you to hide your loss or ignore it that it happened. And I feel like that is a common reaction to something that has happened to you that's horrible um, is people don't want to talk about it because it's not it's not a positive thing but in your life you're like well I had this amazing experience of love in my life I want that to keep being a part of my life and I know that you have a personal story about that why don't you share with us a little bit about what what happened with your grandma Oh yeah, so uh, my grandma passed a few years ago and um, my grandfather died when I was eight months old. So quite a while ago. So I, I didn't really ever get to know him, obviously. Um, just 30 short years ago. Just because I was, I was just a little, <laughs> I was just a little, little baby. 30 something, yeah, I wish that was 30 <laughs> years ago. That's over 40 years ago. Um, but when she she died she died a few years back and we were in Iowa and um, kind of going through some things and there was a picture found of her with her first husband for over thirty some years I had no idea that she was married twice um, she had nine kids with my grandfather that's amazing but I I never knew that she was married before and she never shared that with me and so I didn't find out until after she passed that that she was she 
she married somebody who then went off to war immediately and he was killed in war. So then she met my grandfather and they got married and had a wonderful relationship. But it made me think about why I never got to know my, my grandfather. Why did I not get to know some of that story of this is part of who they were and did they feel like we shouldn't know and kids can't understand those kind of concepts. I just, I guess I just, I look back at it and I wish I would have been able to know, know that story. Not maybe as a, as a young child, but as you look back on things, history is, is so, like, it's so great and kind of what, what happened in people's lives. And, and that, that was a, a story that told me a lot about who she was and what she went through and how she persevered and how she lived on. And after, you know, she did live alone for the next uh, 30 some years. She never remarried after my grandfather passed. But I feel like if I were ever in that situation, and now we, we currently are in that situation where we have a young son who just turned one, we are wholeheartedly going to tell him the stories of, of our past and that he has a sister and that you had a husband because I think that's important for them to understand where we came from and how we got here and you know, how we go about doing that. And that's a whole nother topic. I would imagine that's an entirely new podcast and I have no idea how that's actually going to happen. <laughs> yet. But I do know that I want him to know where we came from and how we are here and, and the love that got us all here. Yeah. And I, I agree. I think, I think approaching that is super personal too. I think there's so many different ways that you can bring that. And it's important to bring those people in your life that are no longer here, but finding little ways um, to honor them and bring them back to your life. Like even just small things, for instance, and I, I've said this a couple of times, but Tommy used to make me coffee every morning even though he didn't drink coffee for like more than half of our relationship, I got him hooked on it eventually, but he didn't even drink coffee, but he would still make me coffee every single morning. And so it's a small thing that I do is I, I tend to make coffee. I would say the vast majority of mornings and it's kind of like my thing. And whenever I do, I always think of him and I'm just like, Oh, making coffee. Thanks for always making me coffee. You know, I just always think about that. And it's something that um, I do on a daily basis that, it's my little way of honoring him, looking for things that just kind of make you smile about them. You know, all of those ways are a, a great way to incorporate that just into your life and being able to share that with your current partner or, you know, just be like, hey, you know, this is something that I would like to do to honor them either on an anniversary or, you know, on a more regular basis, just share that with them because why not? It just brings brings them into your life and allows them to see why you are the way that you are. A little bit of a backtrack, but you said something that in our last conversation that really resonated with me and I just wanted to revisit it. And I think it was probably the most incredible thing I've ever heard you say with regards to grief and our relationship. But you said, it isn't your responsibility to teach me how to be comfortable with your loss. I said that? You did. Wow. And it- I don't even know what I mean by that. <laughs> it really, it was so incredible when you said it to me 
that I actually wrote it down because it's so true. And I think it's important to hit on in this because it's not anyone's responsibility to teach anyone how to feel about anything because that's our own responsibility to deal with our emotions. And I felt like that was so deep (laughs) and I love the way that you said it because when you are a widow or widower, you feel such a responsibility to take care of everyone oddly with your grief. You try to protect people. You try to shelter them. You try to guide them on, oh, you, you try to coddle them in a way like you don't want anyone to be uncomfortable by your loss. And the fact that you said it isn't, and I, I think I asked you the question in, in, in one of our conversations, like, how could I, how can I help Um, Or how can a widow help make you feel more comfortable? And you said, well, it isn't your responsibility to make me more comfortable. That comes from you. It it goes, it goes both ways. It's you have to let each other feel how you want to feel. You know, I don't know if it's a, a male thing or if it's just a partner thing, but I personally always have this sense of you want to try to fix things. You want to make them feel better. Um, and, and so if somebody's feeling sad, I need to make them not feel sad. Yes, it's not your responsibility to make sure that I am comfortable with what it is. And at the same time, you know, I don't know if we're going to talk about kind of the grief and, and how we have dealt with grief and watching your grief story over the times. But when you are hurting and you're sad and you're going through those things, I'm not going to be able to just instantly fix that. And I have to let you have your feelings and go through your processes and just be there as support. But there's nothing that I'm going to be able to do to instantly make it go away. And that's a hard part too of you don't want anybody to ever feel bad. That's sometimes just a part of the process and understanding and the patience that goes along with that. Yeah, I think it's important to talk a little bit about whenever you have a grief moment, um, how to handle that in a relationship, because especially around like anniversaries or um, death anniversaries, birthdays, that, that side type of thing, you do have grief brain. I mean, forever, like my grief brain just like kicks in a couple weeks before and I'm in a funk for probably that like a solid like two weeks. Maybe I can attest that that is a real thing. It is a real thing. I I will confirm that. Grief brain sucks. It sucks. But I think too, um, that, that kind of gets back to being open and being open with your feelings. Tell them like, Hey, I'm just, I have this, they might not even know you might've told them, but they probably forgot or whatever. Just say, Hey, I have this anniversary coming up. And so I might just be in a funky mood for a couple weeks, just a heads up. It's nothing that you've done. I'm not mad at you or whatever, because grief comes out in all sorts of ways. It can come out in anger. It can come out in sadness. It can come out in just weird moods or, you know, just feeling really down and tired. So just maybe prepping them for what to, is to come. If you know, I mean, sometimes you don't even know how you're going to react to a certain situation, but just prep them and say, Hey, this is what I'm dealing with. Just a heads up. I just need some extra support or I just need some time alone and, and just try and communicate. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And I, no, it's, it's, 
it's understanding, you know, you happen to have a lot of dates because you have, you have, you have had a couple of horrible tragedies. And so it's birthdays, so are, many birth, birthdays are coming up. The, the death days are coming up. My wedding so, anniversary is coming up. Wedding anniversary is coming up. Um, and I, I know for the most part, these, these times as they come up and kind of the first few times that they did, you just have to be aware and, and be ready and patient that, you know, for you, you would get silent, you'd be tired, you'd have more panic attacks at the beginning, less so, less so now, which uh, that is probably the hardest thing to have to sit through because you love your partner so much and all you can do is be there. Um, I just try to do little things like bring some flowers. For me personally, I, I feel like I don't try to talk about it. I'm there to listen and when you want to talk about it, but I just try to sort of be there, bring bring some flowers, have just have as much together time as we can and let you talk about it when and how much you want to. But I don't make a big deal of the days. I try not to make it. I don't personally try to put it in your face because I know you're it's always in your head to begin with. So that's sort of the strategy that I've taken. Um, I don't know if it works or not, but I just you try to be. Great. I just try to be around. No, you do great, and I think everyone has a different methodology. Some people like to mark the day by doing something special or doing some sort of routine. For me personally, I like to just kind of leave it, and whatever I feel like doing on the day is what we do. You know, I don't. I don't put pressure on myself to do anything specific. Some, you know, a lot of times I'll look through videos, look through pictures, um, and that's just kind of my way of, of thinking about the day. If someone was in your shoes, just getting to know someone new who is a widow or widower, what is your advice to them? Be patient because it's worth it in the long run. I, I personally feel, and I think I said this at the beginning, I don't really remember, that I was so lucky to get the best person in the world. And when you, when you look back and you get through some of, those, some of those beginning struggles that maybe you personally are having and dealing with somebody who is a widow and can, can they love me as much, you'll find that the patience and working through it that you absolutely won the jackpot. Aww. And it is, I, I actually, I consider it like almost a plus because as I said from the beginning, you're not filled with hate and anger or bitterness from previous relationships. You're filled with love. And yes, there's loss. And that loss has really hard times, but it still comes out of a place of love. And that's, I think, what makes it so great in a way. Um, yeah. It's it's a weird situation, right? Because you don't want to you don't want to come off saying like I'm so glad that your husband died. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> it sounds it sounds, it so sounds weird. terrible. <laughs> your husband's dead. Great, <laughs> but I get what you you mean. You mean like you know whenever you deal with someone who has lost their spouse due to a divorce or some other reason where or it's a long, disagreement or, or yeah, long time partner you don't have a lot of negative energy and that is what is wonderful 
I said, mm-hmm. it, there are times where you are hurting and there are times where you're sad and there are times when you're struggling with certain issues related to the grieving process. And I know, I'm sure you're focusing on a lot of those things in your other podcast, so we're not going to go into that today. The over, overwhelming majority of the time, it is just fantastic. So if somebody is Aww. meeting somebody who's a widow, I would say maybe you're, maybe you're the lucky one. That's so sweet and so true. You are so lucky. <laughs> I am. I are, trust me, I know it. You're a lucky man, Adam Bonnie. Marry up. That's what they always say. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate My it. My pleasure. Thank you for and having me. I love you so much. Thank you for being on. Oh. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. And as always, we will leave this uh, out on a joke. I'm so sorry. This is terrible. Confucius say, man who runs behind car will get exhausted. Man who runs in front of car will get tired. I apologize. That's terrible.